0: It is such a delight to be here, and I want to personally thank you for your support of the Ajma family, whom I have just been getting to know. I was actually in France on vacation when they arrived to Clermont, so if they hadn't had Tim and the family to give them a bed, they would have had nothing to sleep on and uh, sit on. <clears throat> and since that time, we have spent some good time together And um, trying to give him some support from Claremont Presbyterian Church where, uh, although I'm a retired pastor for the most part, I attend there and help out when I can. It's also the last Sunday of ordinary time I had to wear green. I had to wear my green. It's going to be purple next week. Already Advent. And so we celebrate the scripture reading is from Hebrews, sort of obscure in the context I took it. Hebrews chapter 2 in 10. And he starts actually that chapter by quoting from Psalm 8, which is why we heard it this morning. Thank you, Tim. It was fitting that God, for, for whom and through whom all things exist in bringing many children to glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one Father. For this reason, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. So then in verse 14, since therefore the children, that's us, share flesh and blood, He himself likewise shared the same things, so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, and that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. For it is clear that he did not come to help angels, but the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, he had to become like his brothers and sisters in every respect so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make a sacrifice of atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself was tested by what he suffered, he is able to help those who are tested. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Open our ears to hear your word, O oh God. Open our minds to understand it. And open our hearts to love it and love you. Amen. So today is Christ the King Sunday. What do we really know about kings in today's world, I wonder? Every Christ the King Sunday. But we do know a whole lot about power, don't we? We have experienced, we have witnessed a whole lot of power from leaders who have a lot of control over our lives. In this country, we're fortunate we elected those leaders to do that, But in many countries of the world, that is still not true. Power, and that's how we often picture Christ, especially on Christ the King Sunday. We picture him, this mighty ruler over all. Think of the domes of the basilicas and cathedrals around the world. The stained glass windows with Christ shining in power with the stone facade of cathedrals like Notre Dame, with Christ reigning over all, Christ the judge, a Christ that seems somewhat remote to some people. And have we perhaps projected a little too much of our vision, our human vision of what power is onto him? What kind of a king do we have? When I studied Jesus' life, this is not what I see at all. I was really helped by that wonderful book, less so by the movie, uh, of The Life of Pi by um, Jan Martel. It's the story of an adolescent boy named Pi from India. He has a deep, deep love for God and is a devout Hindu. But one day, he goes up to this little chapel, and he meets Father Martin. And he encounters the faith of Jesus Christ through conversations with him. After hearing the story of how God the Son was sent to rescue us and to atone for human sin through his own death, Pai asks, How can this be true of a God? Love, says Father Martin. Pi goes home in disbelief. He returns the next day. can't let go of this, arguing that God should not be tainted with humanity and death. His God's, hold the universe in their hand. They stride across continents in one, two strides. They kick the evil ones out of the world. Pai tells the priest, and I quote, that is God as God should be, with shine and power and might, such as can rescue and save and put down evil. This son, on the other hand, he goes hungry. He suffers from thirst. He gets tired. He's sad. He's anxious. He's heckled. He's harassed. What kind of a god is that? What kind of a king, we could add? It's a god on too human a scale, that's what. This son is a God who spent most of his time telling stories, talking. This son is a God who walked, a pedestrian God, in a hot place at that, with a stride just like any other human stride, the sandal reaching above the rocks along the way. And when he splurged on transportation, he got an ordinary donkey. What kind of a God is that? What is there to inspire in this son? Love, says Father Martin. You can keep your sweaty, chatty God to yourself, says Pi. But he keeps asking questions. And Father Martin's answer continues to be the same. Love. That, says Pai, is how I met that troublesome rabbi of long ago. I couldn't get him out of my head. Still can't. And the more I learned about him, the less I wanted to leave him. Our king, with all the power of God in him, gave it all up to be a sweaty, human being. That's what our Hebrews text tells us. Since we human children of God are flesh and blood, Christ himself shared the same things. It's that same Greek word as same substance, homoousios. He shared the same substance. He became like his brothers and sisters who are human. Every respect. That's the kind of king Jesus is. One who becomes with us enfleshed like we are, understanding life as we do, experiencing all the ups and downs and joys and sorrows that we do. And our king went all the way. Our king chose to die just as we do. Pai is very shaken by the story of Jesus and his death. He says, I'd never heard of a God dying. Divinity should not be blighted by death. It's wrong. It's wrong of this Christian da- God to let his incarnation die. That is tantamount to letting a part of himself die. For if the Son is to die, it cannot be fake. The death of the son must be real. Father Martin assured me it was. But once a dead God, always a dead God, even resurrected, the son must have a taste of death in his mouth. The horror must be real. Why would God wish that upon himself? Why not leave death to mortals? Why make dirty what is beautiful? Love says Father Martin. Pi really doesn't understand this act on the part of our God. And let's be honest, sometimes we don't either. How can a God die? Why? And yet we know, and scripture affirms it time and again, that this death was necessary. And we read it today in Hebrews so that he might destroy the power of death. Now, that is real power, destroying the power of death. And it comes from humility and love. And through this kind of power, we, his brothers and sisters, do not have to fear death. What kind of a king that is. But I think there's even more to the phenomenon of God, our king, becoming in flesh, becoming a human being. I think it's something that pie missed because there is joy. There is joy. When I was on the island of Iona in Scotland, have any of you all been there to Iona? in Scotland, wonderful place of of worship, a beautiful church and worship services every day. It's a beautiful place. You have to get across several islands to get there. And I had been enjoying the beauty of this island and the ocean and the immense skies. And I was sitting in the medieval, medieval church cold, silent, waiting for worship to begin, pa- thinking about my day in this beautiful place. And suddenly I felt like Jesus was saying to me, see, do you see what joy I have in my creation? And do you know, for a brief moment, I could feel that incredible joy God has in the creation. We feel this sometimes when we're out in the wilderness, don't we? When we're hiking in the Sierras or watching or looking at the desert in bloom or standing at the ocean and feeling the spray or looking to an endless horizon. But let's also remember that God's creation includes us. That's the point of these texts this morning. God's creation includes us, God's human children. And God takes enormous joy in us, God's creatures. So I think, I think that becoming a human being was actually also a joy for God. I believe that in spite of the limitations that that put on his power, in spite of the pain, it was a joy. I can just imagine the joy of having a loving mother and father in Mary and in Joseph. I can imagine the joy of feeling muscles develop and getting the competence to be a carpenter and work with wood. And I can imagine the joy of working his mind and sharpening it as he studied the scriptures and spoke with the rabbis. I can imagine the joy of teaching and leading disciples and healing and comforting. Our kind of king takes joy in being with us. Our kind of king delights in each one of us as a brother and a sister. Jesus talks a lot about joy in his final discourse to the disciples in John. Paul talks about joy in his letters, especially in Philippians. And joy comes as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So, very well, Tina, but what does this mean for today? Let's be honest. It's been a truly awful couple of years. I mean, the fact that this was the first baptism in two years because we couldn't get together, And we all love to exchange stories of, what did you do for home communion? Oh, yeah, we used this. Well, we drank that. So, and we know that millions, millions have died, and the surges keep coming back. And there have been all these deep rifts over vaccinations or other ways to solve our health problems, hungry families, there have been employment problems, supply change, and then we have fires and floods and all the other outcomes of global warming, the future can look pretty bleak. Have we not wondered sometimes where is God in all of this? Even when we put on a brave face and say, look at what we've learned from this pandemic. Look at what we now know how to do. So let us remember what kind of a God, what kind of a king our God is. We remember how this king is our brother who shared the same life with us and who continues to be with us, eating and sleeping and loving and teaching with us. We remember that he walked the dusty roads and he slept in rough rough places and he missed the meals just as we do. And we remember that he was willing to die like us so that we will never be afraid again. We will always have him with us through that. Yes, the time will come when he will be enthroned over all the world, and I do love those wonderful Domes of Christ, the Pontocater, the judge of the world. But I remember the kind of king that walks with us, that knows our life, that shares it with us in love and in humility. And so I am helped often by a wonderful Celtic prayer I like to pray. I take it on my walks, and I say a line or two. I make up my own also, and I think about it. I meditate on them, reflect on them. So if you find yourself anxious or distressed or feeling alone and helpless, pray this prayer I'm about to share with you or any other version of it that you want to make up. So I'm going to say it and pause after every line for just a minute so that you can take a breath and pray Christ's presence with you. Let us pray. Christ above me, Christ below me. Christ behind me, Christ before me. Christ beside me. Christ beside me. Christ within me. The peace of Christ the King with me and with us all. Amen.